Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. So, uh, Unashamed Unafraid audience and world, welcome to be back. This episode has been cooking for a while on multiple levels. I am writing solo because we're about to get in the studio with three very close brothers of mine, um, three members of the Unashamed Unafraid writing team. Um, don't want to leave Nicole out. What up, Nicole? We see you, who's our first outsider ever, um, is also there. But this episode is about brotherhood. And um, we've talked a lot on the show about how CT has this magical power of brotherhood and has been an example to our whole team of that and connecting. And so we brought on his closest brotherhood, which happens to be the writing team and how um, they all connected. And um, I also want to share, this is a poem from Theron, written by Theron, um, who also shared his story on the podcast. And I think it sums up what you're going to hear in this episode well. So this is, uh, uh, the, it's entitled Brotherhood by Theron. So, brotherhood is not a sideline event. It's your strength when all is spent. These men come in all shapes and form, but what they have in common is courage to weather the storm. We don't run when the flames burn hot. We hold our ground. We fight for our spot. There's no retreat at no time and no way. Brothers know your needs and then pray. Pray for each other. Pray to strengthen one another. To be part of a brotherhood is something all men crave. To be part of the loved, the fierce, and the brave. Don't let their outwards show of strength fool you. These men have tender hearts of love and courage too. But brothers may also feel fear. Their eyes will leak painful tears. Because of the fallen along the way, some have lost their heart and fallen astray. That doesn't mean their brotherhood is done. They will fight for the heart. They will fight for the one. At times, each will question if they belong, hoping they must not always be strong. That membership, that membership takes them to who they are inside, that their worth must never be retried. So open your heart and let yourself be loved. Though we are all down here below, our strength comes from above. In their mists, you are understood, for that is the nature of brotherhood. And I know of no more real brotherhood than Baltimore Doug, as he's known, Seth, whose story you've heard, and CT, our Lionheart, our chief editor. And so I invite you with an open heart to step in and experience true brotherhood. Um, so as those, uh, in this brotherhood who know me, it is tough for me to walk in there and be like, whoa, and this is definitely that feeling. So CT Lionheart, my brother, what's happening, Baltimore, Doug, Hey brother. And you guys all don't get to see the beauty of the mustache game that Baltimore Doug puts up hard and loving it. And uh, coming from Utah's backyard, also known as Idaho, is my good friend Seth, 
Seth, what's going on? What's up? Happy, grateful to be here. So if uh, Seth's voice sounds familiar, that's because it is. Um, Seth and Nicole, uh, an incredible story. So I invite you to check out that episode. Um, Baltimore Doug, this is your first time here, right? On this side, of, on this side of the show, this side of the microphone. Finally gummed up the courage. Love it. And CT, no stranger to us here. That's right. Um, but I will name, so CT and the writing team, which you're about to learn about, um, does a lot of the work like Jason that's super behind the scenes and, and doesn't get seen, but makes a lot of things happen. So everything you read, CT and the writing team put together. So just want to name that shout out, that gratitude, and uh, take this opportunity to see the work that goes in there. Um, so super awesome. So I'm actually sitting here with my good friend, Jason. Um, again, we've let him out of his prison cell to do another recording. And um, we we have him here. And I remember Jason said to me, and I've shared this story before, but Jason's like, so I get Chris, Hulk of Hope, that whole thing. I get James, you know what I mean? Just like, he's the guy. Um, you know, I understand all that. What's the deal with CT? And I said, have you ever called him when you're having a hard time? And he's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, just go ahead and try that on. And about two weeks later, I get this phone call from Jason. And I'm like, hey, man. He's sitting over here laughing. This phone call from Jason. And I'm like, hey, man. He's like, yeah, so I called CT. And I'm like, uh-huh. He's like, dude, I totally get it. And I'm like, right, that guy's a beast. So CT, what is it that Jason learned about you that we want the rest of the world to now know? Well, um, I am CT uh, and uh, I'm just happy to be be here. (laughs) Um, My friends and, uh, and, and my dad, my dad upstairs called me Lionheart for a reason. And the reason is, is because I go after men's hearts like a lion goes after its prey. And uh, that's what uh, my heavenly dad told me, is that uh, you've got the heart of a lion, and now you have to fight for those who, those guys, those men whose hearts are dead, and you have to bring them back to life. And so that's what I started doing. Um, and a funny story is that I made an agreement with myself back when I was a kid because I was a lot more sensitive than most guys. That feeling was dumb. The feeling was a weakness and that my heart needed to be shut down and that, that I couldn't share my heart with anybody. And it took, you know, going after the men's hearts to to bring it fully alive and understand that dad gave me a gift that is second to none. He gave me his heart to go after men's hearts and everybody's heart, to be honest with you, not just men, but everybody's heart that is wanting to be open and alive again. They understand what I'm about. And uh, so I just started calling people it was slow at first. Um, in 2018, I started calling. Uh, actually, in 2016, I started calling James, who is, uh, you know, he's part of the. <laughs> no one here knows who that is. Yeah, let's leave that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
often co-hosts. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I called him once in 2016 at the end of 2016. And that was an awkward situation. And so I'm like, I'm never doing that again. Sorry, not going to do it. But then 2018 came around and Steve, I, I felt like I needed to talk to Steve a lot more than, than I was since I met him in 2016 uh, or 2015 or 16. I can't remember. Uh, 14, my brother. 14. Okay. Yeah. We're getting what we call old. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and, and to fill in the the gap on that this was just when i had my membership removed i was excommunicated and um the last time that i acted out with another woman in in 2018 right right yep so i just i dad put it on my heart to call you steve to call steve and i said okay i'm going to call him because i love him that much and so i called him for several several days in a row and got his voicemail left voicemails for him and he decided finally to pick up after about a week was it or two weeks yeah so if we want to name this so this is now january of 19 so C- ct gets on to me um showed up uh was there in person at my um my church council where my membership was removed showed up there in person. So he kind of starts leaning into me. And then this uh, week, which really was, uh, I believe 12 days, I'd have to go back and look at the voicemails, but 12 days where I was just uh, in a big low. I just, it was my, my uh, last time acting out with another woman. I was, you know, just like, man, I can't believe I've, run unashamed. I'm so far uncovered. I'm, and I'm here again. Like I'm just the biggest fraud, the biggest joke that, so I'm in all of that shame messaging and scripting and CT goes lion heart on me. I learned of his superpower, just like the story I told about Jason. So I've learned this about CT. So as I, as I have, you know, grown and, um, one of my big things and it still is, is I no no one who listens has a grasp of how amazing the unashamed team is and how much actually it's not me. And so I know there are some people who are annoyed by me, uh, who listen that are like, yeah, thank you, Steve, talk less and everyone else more. And I am with you on that. Um, and so there's like our team's beast. And so, um, I knew this about CT. And so I started doing this thing. So when people would call me and I knew what they needed was this, right? They needed that, that one-to-one, that love and whatever. So I get this email from this guy in named Doug in Baltimore. And I happened to serve my mission in Baltimore, Maryland. So I'm like, oh, Baltimore, cool. And Doug, why don't you tell us what I found in that email that had been sent to me? Well, we, um, <clears throat> I started listening to your podcast like when it was like four or five episodes. It was very early uh, in the podcast season for you. And I, I remember reaching out to you just saying thanks. You know, I really appreciate it. And then uh, you and I ended up, you told me to call you. And we ended up kind of chatting about Baltimore and you were a missionary. And so we kind of started to stay in touch a little bit sporadically. And um, I want to say like I sent you a text. Yeah, so it's all love. It's all love. So Doug's like, oh yeah, man, thanks for doing the show. I'll call him like, cool, man, love you too, Baltimore. Sweet. So I'm like, awesome, you know? Changing a life, this matters, cool. And then I think it was about three or four months later. Yeah, um, 
I sent you a text and I didn't hear a response for a little while. And all of a sudden you responded. And I'm just like, no, now, now Doug, send us with the, what did the text say? This is unashamed. <laughs> I wished you good luck with all your endeavors. And I just like, I've accepted my life as an addict and that's it. And I'm done. And I wish you well. And uh, I remember you telling me, don't give up, don't give up hope. And then you told me something really interesting. You said, and then the text, Oh, you go, go, you go. You said the Calvary is coming. And I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? The Calvary is coming. And darn if the next day, Corey CT didn't give me a phone call and, and start talking to me. Yeah. And uh, I just want to name Doug was all like moody about it too. Like he wasn't like, he wasn't like, thanks brother. I'm down. I'm like, you got this. And he's like, maybe I'll feel that way later. He was like, don't effing call me. It's Oh F this. It's stupid. It's all stupid. It's all dumb. I think you're dumb. It's all whatever. So this was like hostile takeover of Doug's soul over. So I know this is way above my pay grade. So I'm like, okay, Calvary's coming because what he doesn't know is I got a guy named CT that I know who is God's lion heart in him. So I call CT and I'm like, CT, you know that thing you do? And CT says, oh yeah. I said, it's time to do it now. Here's the guy's phone number. And this will be the best one you ever do. Just so you know. So I started calling him and uh, first day I said, you know, dad doesn't make junk. He don't make junk. And uh, I love you. And what did you do, Doug? I freaked out. I totally freaked out. I'm like, who the hell are you? You know, I don't even know you from Adam. You live out in Utah. And I I gave him a lot of grief. Um, I'm a crusty Easterner, you know, very skeptical. I, you know, when people walk up to me, I don't know. And they say, I love you. You know, it, it's, you just, it's not very comfortable. And I kind of made fun of them. I'm like, is that what they all do in Utah? What kind of water are you drinking? And um, I just, I told them, I'm like, I'm not a project for your podcast, you know? And that's when something clicked in them. And yeah. Like, so I, so I, uh, I was, I called them every single day for about a week and a half. And then he asked me a question. He's like, I can't even remember what the question was. I'm like, do you mind if we use this on the podcast? Because this is a great question that I'm sure a lot of people have. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? But he didn't say freaking. And uh, I said, yeah. He's like, are you really needing that much content for your stupid podcast? And I'm like, Doug? How dare you? I am putting my heart and soul into showing you that dad loves you and that I do too. And you're my friend and you're my brother. And you, you have the gall to tell me that I don't care about you as a person and that I need content for my podcast. Bull crap. You called me out. I'm like, that was not cool, dude. I said, no way. You're not going to do that to me. Because we have plenty of content, just so you know. It's run by uh, people struggling with addiction. So get off your high horse and let me love you. And Doug said? Nothing for a month. I called him daily for a month. Left a message every single day. 
and Doug did not do anything. Nope. So CT, so so why do you keep going? Because I knew that there was something about Doug that that needed to change, that needed that spark of hope again, because he was on the brink of just giving it all up. So tell us, yeah, so tell us where you were. Tell us your experience, Baltimore, Doug, your side. So this wacko from Utah is calling you. Been like three weeks. He's still calling you. He was praying for me on the phone and in the phone messages. And it was very weird for me. You know, who calls up the Jesus fanatics? They're the ones that get up there and they start praying. They pray, you know, in their car. They pray out loud. They pray in public. And it just kind of really made me uncomfortable. And um, I was in a pretty low spot, um, like with addiction. And I was acting out outside of marriage and it was ugly. And uh, I had a really low spot and I was just, I was done. I was totally done. And I was plotting my exit strategy from earth, if that makes any sense. Yeah, we call it, we call it suicidality. Oh yeah. I didn't see a way to, to kind of come out of this. And I felt very isolated and very alone. And I didn't have a whole lot of hope. And um, after a while, I guess I started taking Corey's phone calls. And um, we started to talk. And um, I mean, we, we shot the shit a little bit. And, but then it started to change the nature of our uh, conversations. And I don't know, this, this, I started to trust him. You know, it, it felt like I could trust somebody. I never met him. Didn't know what he looked like. But like it was a familiar voice and it felt very comfortable, you know, having a daily phone call. A little weird. It, it, it was very difficult for me to kind of open up and be vulnerable and trust. Um, Seth can, can tell you that too. You know, I, I am very hard to warm up. I'm like a, a hard German roll, you know, crusty on the outside and then kind of gooey on the inside. But um, I'd say over time, probably within about four to five months, we started to build a brotherhood uh, where I would start to call him if he didn't call me. Um, I'd start to text because I was, it was like a daily call. He was calling me every single day. And then I started to miss it. If he didn't call, I'm like, wait, Corey wasn't calling to harass me? What's going on? Mind you, I probably missed, what, three days and six months? Yeah. Yeah. But... I mean, those days I felt it too, because that, that's how I'm staying, you know, in recovery is, is fighting for those hearts. It was hard for me to understand why a stranger would call me and why he would feel love for me. I, I couldn't wrap my brain around that. Couldn't. Well, and what I want to name is because you can't. There's not a there's not a logical answer to that. You can't avoid the spiritual plane or the heart space in this experience. So Seth, it's quiet here lingering in the background. So CT, tell us that part of the story. Well, so then um, you know Seth uh, came on the podcast and I did a write-up for, for his and Nicole's story. And I tell him and Nicole this all the time that uh, I was riding my bike when I was listening to their podcast to do the write-up. 
And I was just bawling my eyes out because of how familiar it felt. And like, it's a good thing that I had sunglasses on because people would think I was crazy while riding my bike. <laughs> and so, uh, so then I was just like, you know, I really want, I really want a brotherhood in the riding side. And so I'm like, Hey, Seth, uh, Nicole, do you, you know, I met him up at uh, boot camp the next time, right after, uh, I heard his story, but that was because of COVID that was a good year and a little bit after, um, I heard his story and did the write up. And so I'm like, Hey, Seth, you know, dad has told me that, uh, you um, want to help out, and as well as Steve mentioned that uh, you've been talking with him, and and you want to help out some somehow more than just you know donating to Unashamed. And so, I Dad told me to to talk to you and and see if you wanted to be a part of the writing crew. So I asked it, you know, I asked him, and he. He accepted and said, "Yeah, let's do this." So, so Seth, what was this experience like for you? Um, so, this experience for me was um, totally different than anything I've ever experienced. Um, I've never really felt like I've had like true brothers. Um, so, kind of like a side story, something that was going on that I don't know if CT was aware of was when all this was happening. Doug had texted me out of the blue. This guy from Maryland texted me out of the blue one day. He's like, Hey, I just listened to your story. Um, it really resonated with me. And I was like, wow, like one person listened to my story. That's cool. Um, and we kind of texted off and on a little bit and I asked him if he was going to boot camp. And I think boot camp was still a few months away. And he said, yeah, but we, didn't really text much after that. And then when boot camp got closer, we texted again. And then we met there. And um I feel like really connected. I really I really felt like it for the first time, like I felt like my soul connect with someone. Um it was really cool. And then I like I met CT there at that boot camp. And he asked me to and Nicole and I to be on the writing team. And um yeah, it was just I know, you know, I, I, I told my, I made a lot of agreements with myself growing up and, um, being invited into this brotherhood, um, was not something that I ever saw myself doing. I was always going to be the guy in the background who didn't have brothers and who was going to do it myself and nobody cared, you know? Yeah. So what has brotherhood meant? So, you know, you know, cause sometimes we're like, man, I really like an ice cream cone and then you get it and you're like, ah, that wasn't it. Right. And a lot of us have experienced that struggling with addiction, right. That it's like, man, if I just, if I just acted out enough, okay, that doesn't work. All right. If I just, you know, got my membership in my church back, or if I just was sober for X amount of days, then I would have arrived. Right. And so you've always wanted this brotherhood you finally got it. You've been invited to the cool kids club. What has that experience been like? 
I mean, does ice cream even taste that good? Or is this something that's getting hyped up that's not worth it? Or No, it's Steve. great. It's a... Oh. I, I, I'm lactose intolerant, Steve. So, sorry for that culturally insensitive metaphor. Um, allow and and if, and and if we have any and if we have any uh, lactose tolerant listeners, sorry for not being culturally uh, competent about that. So, Seth. Yes, I can answer you. So this has meant everything to me. Everything I never never knew I wanted and needed is fulfilling that. Um, I mean, we've we've heard how amazing CT is at um, battling for other men's hearts. I want to tell you about Doug and how he's battled for my heart. Um, you know, we we talk almost every Tuesday night um, while my wife is at her women's meeting. We polo just about every day. Um, he battles for my heart. Um, Nicole and I celebrated an anniversary in February and leading up to the anniversary, I really, um, I felt a lot of pressure for anniversaries because that's when I disclosed was on, or, well, it was her birthday. I call it anniversary because it was like the start of our new life together. Um, so I basically ruined her birthday. It's now an anniversary. Leading up to that, Doug helped me plan this amazing experience at Zions Park. Um, like he was there like battling for me, helping me figure out what to do. Cause I'd never put thought into stuff like that for Nicole before. And he was like there, like helping me like realize like, yeah, I can do that. I can battle for my wife's heart. So he's battling for my heart, helping me battle for her heart. And, and I want to name here. He's named Baltimore Doug. Cause he lives in Baltimore. Seth lives in Idaho. CT lives in Texas. I just want to name that right now. Yeah. It reminds me of a, uh, of a book called The Wind in the Door. That's the, the second book in a wrinkle, the Wrinkle in Time series. And in there, it talks about how, you know, it doesn't matter about the physical distance between people. You can still have a connection no matter how far away they are physically from you. Amen. Because it's on a spiritual level. So speak to that, Doug. What, how has brotherhood made a difference in your life? Steve, it has saved my life, quite literally. Um, it started with Core. Um, I call him Core, not CT. Sorry. Which just pisses me off to no end. I only know him as Core. Um, he... He helped me dig myself out of a hole and to get the courage and he supported me you know, with the courage that I could go through a disciplinary process uh, with church and to kind of really be open and honest with my wife back in 2019. And um, he, he, you know, daily and he was like my go-to for a long time. And then once I heard Seth's podcast story, I, I saw so many similarities in our stories. I had to reach out and I bugged core for almost a week. What's Seth's number? What's Seth's number? What is Seth's number? You know, like every time I talked, I was hounding him. I had to break, you know, maybe we bent a rule or two, but I reached out to Seth. And then after meeting him at boot camp, we hung out at boot camp and got to know each other pretty good. 
And so these two brothers in my life have kind of, I know, it, it's been like a daily connection pretty much since. And that has, it, it's kind of really helped me to grow and feel more healing in my life. Um, I'm able to talk to them about frustrations. I'm able to surrender. I'm able to talk about my fears. I'm able to be vulnerable. We're able to goof around, have a chat, a good joke. Um, I feel connected to these brothers more so than my own family sometimes. <laughs> Extended well, family, not, not my wife and kids. Yeah. Well, and I, and I want to name a, a, a quote here. Um, it's one of my favorite. It's not about brotherhood, but it is to me. Um, so everyone's heard blood is thicker than water right? Which is often in reference, right? That our blood family is more important than the friends or community that we make around us, right? That it's about um, the actual quote. So not paraphrased or whatever, the actual quote um, is that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Meaning, right? The exact opposite right? That, that those that we, and I would say in here, right? The blood of the covenant is that, is that walk with Christ, right? How many people do we know have, have, when they've, when they've given their life to Christ, been baptized in a church, they've had family that have disowned them. Yeah. And they said, I have to choose God first before I choose. And so, um, you know, I think you said that kind of in jest, Doug, but not really. And, uh, and I think that's a, that's a powerful experience, particularly of your guys' story of brotherhood. Cause I feel like I've been able to do this watching from the sideline all these years, you know, and, um, not that I don't know all of you, I do, but, um, and, uh, I mean, just the physical distance between you, not to mention, um, these are not three people whose recovery story has been like Disney movie ending. Not one of these three men here between work struggles, marriage struggles, you know, still addiction showing up and happening. Like this is not right. Suicidality um, happening. And I I mean, I remember specific Doug between you and I, when I invited you to, um, you know, show up when I got rebaptized, you were like, every time I think I can just say, screw this and get out of here. You know, one of you guys is grabbing me. And, um, and so, you know, if you're thinking this is a group of brotherhood that we just want to say, look at how shiny they are um, and put together. I mean, that's just not the case. These are, these are some brothers that are in the trenches. Uh, uh, witness. I just want to say witness. I've, I, I've seen it and have conversations with and, uh, and how powerful um, that is. Jason wants to share something with us. I'm going to hand him the mic. <laughs> All right. So, uh, since I'm sitting here, I'll share it. Um, Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And that's a scripture that, uh, uh, really illustrated to me how a man can sharpen another man, just like iron sharpens iron. And, and it's, it really is about having those other godly Christ-like men in your life to sharpen you. I don't know. I think you do know, and you just told us. Yeah. Yeah. So in that lens, uh, Corey, let's, let's start with you. Core, CT, 
Let's start. Jason, I want you to edit core, the word core, everywhere out of this episode and replace it with CT. So it's like Baltimore Doug talking. He's like, and when I was with, and then it's like my voice, CT, go like over the top. Okay. So CT will start with you. How has Seth and Doug's iron sharpened your iron? I just being there for me to be able to call, quite honestly. Um, because, you know, after the last boot camp that we were at, um, I was talking with you, Steve, and I said, you know, I just, I think you, you want to take on every, you feel like that you, you have to take on every single person and, and help fix them. And it's because you might not trust Heavenly Father, you might not trust Dad. And then this voice in the back of my head was like, so why do you feel the pressure to call 17 to 20 guys every single day? You don't need to do that much. And then I was talking to Doug and I said, you know, I feel like I don't trust uh, Heavenly Father um, because I... I don't know. I don't think that he's got it, even though he really does. And I feel like I have to call all these people that I say I'm going to call. But he just told me that I need to pass off a lot of these guys and just focus on, you know, a core group of people. And Doug asked me the question. So who are those two people that you want to call on a daily basis? And I said, well, Obviously, you is you're one of them because I've invested so much of my life into yours. And then, for some reason, I just need to talk to Seth on a daily basis. Um, and so that's what I started doing after boot camp. And if I don't call, um, you know, if I don't call every day, I usually text, but I try to call every single day. Um, I do call other men um, on a weekly or, or several times a week, but I don't call um, everybody every single day anymore yeah. because I need, I need at least a core group of guys to help me see my worth. And that's how they've sharpened me is they help me see my worth. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And I just want to name when you said you didn't say drop those men out of brotherhood and let them fend for themselves. You said pass those men off. And it's interesting that there are some other men here. Like I've, I've asked Doug and I asked Seth to call a guy named Paul. Because mm-hmm. Jer- Jeremy, um, Jeremy Ellswood. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Jeremy if you're listening. Jeremy's excellent, a brotherhood man. Yeah. Yep. He he's like, hey, CT, I need you to call this guy. He's in my SAL group Monday nights, and he's in San Antonio, so he's closer to you. Um, so I said, okay, I'll call him. And then I'm like, I I feel the kinship with him, but I think that Doug and you know Seth or yeah. or somebody else may have a better connection with them than me. 
Yeah, and we'll uh, we're gonna wrap up this episode about talking about how we're gonna uh, expand said brotherhood and make that happen. So, um, Seth, how has the iron of this brotherhood of CT and Baltimore Doug sharpened your iron? I think for me, um, just like with my confidence, believing in myself, believing that I have what it takes, that I'm worth it. Um, that's really helped me enormously, um, from that standpoint. Um, yeah, I have a lot of, like I said, I have a lot of agreements I've made and, um, something that constantly goes through my mind is DT's saying that God doesn't make junk. I think about that all the time. Um, he shared that with me and I'm reminded of that constantly. and. Just that these guys are battling for my heart, you know, maybe I am worth it. And that's been the biggest thing for me, I think, is just coming to that realization that I'm okay with who I am and I'm loved as I am, accepted as I am. And um, that's all I need. And remind me what the uh, initials RCA stand for again. Recovering Couples Anonymous. So, uh, Seth, and you see how uh, sometimes mild Seth can be in his mannerisms. You can hear it in his voice here. Seth calls me and he's like, hey, Steve, you want to, um, would you be willing to zoom in and speak at this? It's just this little group. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah, it's this RCA thing. Me and Nicole do it. And now maybe I'm just a jerk. I don't know. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, this is so awesome. Like, Seth has like him and like, you know, two or three other couples and they, and they get together and they're working recovery. Like that's so beautiful. I get on the zoom and I'm like, Whoa, there's like 30 couples sitting in this guy. Like people are peering off the thing up the stairs and other thing. I'm like, Holy cow. It says like, Oh yeah, we just, we just kind of do this little thing. And so just the impact of, of the one and just starting to go, I mean, that's just Seth and Nicole reaching out to people. And it, that, it's like a thing. It's like a freaking tribe up there. It's like a party. And I've, and I've heard people talk about it. There's like, there's this group in Idaho. And I'm like, uh-huh, I totally know who it is. And they're like, I don't know what it's called. And I'm like, it's RCA. And they're like, yeah, that was it. And I'm like, yeah, yes. And I just love Seth. All, and just because he just, that seems so not him hearing his voice sometimes. And just how he's kind of, you know, be humble about it. So... I just want to shout out Seth on that. Baltimore Doug, how has the iron of these two men sharpened your iron? They have given me the strength and they've helped my confidence. They've helped me battle shame. Um, typically when you're stuck in addiction, there's a lot of shame. And I really struggled with shame for a long time. And the court told me God doesn't make junk. That kind of like hit me upside the head. And, uh, their, their strength uh, just has helped me to kind of be more honest with myself and feel like I can trust being honest with them. In the past, I've had some close friends that I thought were pretty close and I would share some of my struggles with them. They weren't fellow struggling addicts, but it kind of freaked them out and we've lost contact since. So I've, I've always been skittish and hesitant to like really share, you know, deep, deep, deep shares, you know, about like, how am I really doing? It's yeah. always been a surface surface share, like, yeah, you know, I'm struggling. It's not a big deal, kind of thing. Um, I recently lost my membership in the church. 
Uh, I've been going through another membership council and uh, being able to talk to core CT and Seth and, and kind of share through this process, I've needed their strength and uh, it has bolstered me and it is, I have not felt judged. I have not felt worthless. I haven't felt like a piece of garbage, you know, um, and I felt their love and their support. That's made a huge difference. Um, this go around, you know, through a membership council, the shame wasn't there. You know, regret and remorse, absolutely. But the shame, no. I mean, I was able to kind of have a different mindset and process things a lot differently than, you know, previously. So for me, I think it's been really helpful for me to kind of grow personally and, and get more honest, more vulnerable, and more trusting of others. Yeah. Yeah. So one one cross we know that all of us bears just a fatherlessness, right? Of of not not believing we have what it takes as men, not you know, we're not enough. We didn't I don't know how to fix the car or you know, get the big corporate job or you know, and that's part of the the shame product of uh sexual addiction, right? Is it makes me feel like I'm the man or I'm enough or I'm wanted. There's so many different themes that come from fatherlessness. And um, as we know, right, we often are fathered by other good men. No one's dad can be all the things, whether your dad was a total dumpster fire, abusive, or you had this really great dad, doesn't matter, right? So clip note on fatherlessness um, to catch up on that. Wild at heart, excellent read on fatherlessness if you want to get started on that. Um, and so I uh, want to just name, so uh, Seth, let's go back to you. How has this brotherhood helped repair some of your fatherlessness? Well, um, yeah, you mentioned car repairs. So, like, when it comes to home repair, something like that, that's a huge trigger for me because I'm, like, all thumbs and no ideas on what to do. And um, I can talk to these guys and let them know, hey, this is going on. Um I'm clueless, you know, that sort of thing. And they're there just loving me through it, you know, like they're not like fixing it for me, but they're, they're giving me instilling in me the confidence that I can figure it out. And, um, it's truly blessed me for sure. Yeah. Baltimore Doug. Yeah. They've helped me to fire the old God and hire a new God. I really struggled with concept of God for a very long time. And in speaking with both Core and with uh, Seth, I've been able to, to pick their brains and really have some deep conversations, you know, about God and dad, as Core calls him, and who he is and, you know, that he loves us, that he loves me, you know, he's not, you know, this angry, punitive, you know, God, but that he's a loving and caring father. That's been game changer for me. Huge game changer. Yeah. Awesome. CT for you, my brother, how has this helped repair fatherlessness for you? Well, I think it helped because how it helped is, um, I realized, like I said before, that, um, through calling these men, even though it was a small and simple thing, I regained my heart and realized what a major blessing my heart is 
and every man's heart is in this entire world. And just being giving, it's a way for me to give permission to other men to be vulnerable and to feel again, because in this world, we're told not to feel because we're men. And it doesn't matter. We can feel that that is the biggest misnomer in this world is men should not feel anything. And that's the biggest agreement that I've been able to break through this brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's no words to put to anything that you guys have shared. And I think the last thing to wrap up this episode, because I'll just name it. We could sit here and talk about it, but go wherever you want with it. Go wherever you want to go in your life experience. This is one I'll tell you with confidence. And I know I'm going to get a bunch of head nods right here. If you think you are going to get to recover from your sexual addiction or any addiction without brotherhood, you won't. Amen. Now, maybe your brotherhood is running a podcast and nonprofit with a bunch of people. Maybe your brotherhood is three guys that Marco Polo each other every day. I'm not defining what brotherhood has to look like to recovery. You may be able to white knuckle yourself some sobriety. You may be able to white knuckle your whole freaking life. But recovered and heart restored without brotherhood won't happen. And this is an episode we've been talking about doing and has been on CT's heart for a long time because this is such a critical piece of recovery. And so we thought instead of talk about it, instead of bring a therapist on, or just kind of be like, blah, blah, blah about it or whatever. It's like, well, CT, why don't you just bring your brotherhood on and just witness it? And so I hope that this witness has uh, been powerful to you. If you don't believe them, call them. That's right. Call them. If you, if you want any one of their cell phone numbers, you can send me an email, Stephen at unashamedunafraid.com or CT an email, CT at unashamedunafraid.com and get one of their phone numbers. So you can have a Baltimore Doug experience when you're like, this is crap. These three, I promise you, will put the money where the mouth is. And I'd say the heart where the mouth is. Um, so if you want to experience that live for yourself, the invitation is there. True? That's true. Yes, absolutely. And CT's number is? 801-808-3589. That is my personal cell. So no prank calling, okay? Okay, maybe a couple, but there it is. So, or email us. We'll get you connected with these guys. No big deal. So, one last on brotherhood. Final sentence. What you want to tell the world? The guy who's like, man, that's stupid. I'm not opening up to anybody, or I've opened up and been burned. In one sentence, Seth, what do you want to tell that guy? I want to tell that guy that that he's worth it. You know, don't throw it away on, on one bad experience because there's a million other brothers out there who want it just as bad as he does. And just uh, got to put your heart out there. Don't give up. Baltimore, Doug, that guy that's as crusty as you are.
hey, I've been there. I understand. And uh, it sucks to be isolated and feeling alone. So brotherhood makes all the difference, and it can quite literally save your life. CT? If you don't believe us, just try me. Whoa! That's the game right there. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this blessed you. I also want to mention that sisterhood, like brotherhood, same power. We could just literally change the names here and everything here applies. So I also want to name that, um, that sisterhood matters and is important. And so with that, thank you for listening. Um, we hope that you continue to stay unashamed. If you would like to donate, you can go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. The money goes purely to doing scholarships um, and helping us uh, fund for people to go to things like boot camp and connect and therapy and different things. Um, if you are in need of a scholarship, you are worthy of it. So we invite you to apply at unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. Please go on iTunes, even if you're not listening on iTunes, and give us five stars. That's how the world finds us and aggregate creates the searches and decides to help us spread more hope. Um, again, you can reach out to these guys, CT or Steven at unashamedunafraid.com. If you want to get in touch with these guys and take CT up on that challenge of that phone call. Also check out our other podcast feed for the weekly soon to be daily messages. And until we are with you again, um, you can find us on social at unashamed and afraid um, on Instagram, Facebook. And until we are with you again, we invite you to be unashamed. <laughs>